everybody. Welcome to the Hallmarkies podcast. We are really excited today to have another interview with you for a author and the executive editor and creative director for Hallmark Publishing. This is huge, guys. It's so exciting. We have Bryn Donovan here on the podcast and uh, Bree's here. Hey, everybody. And, uh, and Bryn, thank you so much for coming on talk with us. Oh my gosh, Rachel, thank you for having me. I love your podcast. I love what you do. So this is uh, definitely the the highlight of my, my week. I really Yay. appreciate you being here. <laughs> yeah, well, we love Hallmark Publishing and we have had a number of the authors on. And most recently we had, uh, we had uh, Piper Hughley, we had uh, Caridad Pinheiro on. Uh, we we love talking with the, the authors. Yeah. Oh, well, so and I, I just, of course, uh, um, I just think our authors are so, are just wonderful to talk to and, uh, they, I've enjoyed working with them so much. It's been fun to hear them Yay. on here too. Yeah. Well, why don't we start, tell us a little bit about yourself. Cause you not only are an editor and, and director, but you also are a published author. Uh, <laughs> so tell us a little bit about yourself and how you ended up getting involved in, uh, publishing and writing. Absolutely. Uh, I'll try not to make it too long. So uh, my background is in writing. I got my MFA in creative writing. And uh, for years I worked, well, I, I did work some in advertising. And then for years I worked at Hallmark in writing and editorial, Hallmark Cards in Kansas City in, oh, wow. uh, in writing and ed- editorial roles. And I had uh, published a couple of romances and I got the idea that uh, with the Hallmark Channel, it might be a good idea to extend the kind of storytelling they do into fiction, into books. And, uh, and uh, so Hallmark Channels is a subsidiary of Hallmark Cards. And I didn't know anybody over there. You know, they're in New York and L.A. and I was in Kansas City. So I, <laughs> I didn't know the CEO at the time of uh, Hallmark Channel, but I reached out to him I, I emailed him. I found out when he was going to, I kind of creeped on his schedule. I found out when he was going to be at Kansas City. And I emailed him and introduced myself and said, while you're in Kansas City, can I have half an hour to pitch a business to you? Uh, and he said, okay. Uh, and so I, I uh, pitched the idea of the Hallmark Publishing business to him. And that's how uh, it got started, basically. Um, but uh, yes, yeah, so my background is in writing. Um, and, uh, it's been, uh, really exciting to grow the business just from the, you know, the very beginning when we were just doing eBooks and we were just doing, uh, book versions of existing movies is how we started out. Uh, but then we went into original fiction. We went into printing and paperback, uh, in audiobook. And now we've got books in Walmart and in Target and Barnes and Noble, yeah. and we've got books becoming movies. So it's been a crazy but exciting <laughs> past few years. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about like where, what were you doing or what were you seeing that kind of sparked that idea? I mean, I'm from and like an hour away from Kansas City and like growing up, I knew Hallmark was a big deal. My mom was a huge, she loves Hallmark cards. And like, now that I'm older, I'm like, wow, I lived an hour away from like this, <laughs> this thing that's always been a big deal in my life. So like, what were, what kind of sparked that idea of like, hey, let's explore this idea of like putting actual books out there? 
Um, you know, uh, that's a that's a really good question. Oh, by the way, where where did you grow up? I'm just curious. I'm from the town called Sedalia. It's where the Missouri oh, sure. State Fair is. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. Yeah. Very close. Yeah. Uh, so, well, you know, I was just interested in uh, romance publishing in particular. Of course, now I've become uh, very uh, um, into mystery, uh, the mystery, cozy mystery genre and cozy yeah. mystery publishing, too, because we do that, too. But I was just very interested in the genre and I felt like uh, it had they. Hallmark Channel had already defined this really specific kind of uh, story that, you know, that, you know, you read a Hallmark book and you know, or you watch a Hallmark movie, uh, the brand lets you know that it's going to be uplifting, you know, it's not going, uh, that you can trust it, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, uh, and so I think I just, as a, as a romance writer on the side, as someone who is kind of interested in publishing, and, and uh, I think that I just thought that it would be really fun and interesting to do that. So can you, let's, before we like go forward, let's go back just a little bit. Can you tell us how you became a romance reader? <laughs> That's a great question <laughs> because coming out of my graduate program, I was, uh, in a really ignorant way, a literary snob. And so I hadn't really read romances. And I made the assumption that many people, you know, who read literary fiction or, or who haven't read the genre make, you know, they'll assume certain things about it that aren't true and, and assume that it's, you know, dumb or uh, not well-crafted, right? Um, but then at some point, quite late in the, in my experience as a reader, uh, I guess maybe in my late thirties, I thought, you know, I should just read one or two and see what they're like. And then I was <laughs> a little, I, I discovered that I really had a love for the romance genre. And, um, what I love about it is that you can really tell an emotional story in ways that with literary fiction, literary fiction, you sometimes can't go so far uh, with the emotion and with the and with people making big decisions, making grand gestures. Uh, sometimes in uh, some of the literary fiction I read, not all of it, uh, you know, it can sometimes be a little more hampered. You know, you uh, and I think that I am a romantic with a capital R at heart. You know, mm -hmm. see, I love that big sweep of a story, um, that that real uh, emotion, the kind of affirming uh, uh, stories you can sometimes tell with romance. Uh, so I came to it late and then realized that the genre was way more diverse uh, in terms of stories and uh, in characters than I had expected. You know, I was a growing up, I was like a geeky outcast a little bit. And I guess I assumed that the romance genre was just like pretty people falling like the mm -hmm. homecoming king, the homecoming king and the homecoming queen falling in love. I'm like, well, good for them. Yeah. Uh, I don't <laughs> want to read about it, you know. And and that's really not what the genre is about at all, you know. Yeah. Uh and so and it's it's about people uh dealing with real problems, uh learning more about them themselves becoming better people and uh 
Yeah. So it was just different than I expected. So a lot of people will make assumptions about the genre without actually reading the genre. Basically, they've read Fifty Shades of Grey and one half of a romance their mom had around when they were a kid. And then they think they know what romance is and they, and they, you know, uh, so yeah, yeah. Once I gave it a chance, I realized how much I loved it. Sorry, so, long answer. No, that's yeah. perfect. Were you an editor first and then writer or or writer and then became editor? You know, I had both writing and editorial roles um, and some manager roles at Hallmark Cards. Uh, but I, to be honest, I hadn't been a book editor before I started Hallmark Publishing. So wow. uh, that being said, I, I, um, I've worked with, uh, I, I worked with great experienced editors and, uh, and, um, I think that I know a lot now about how to make a book great. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Oh my gosh. You just feel like the glue that like, is like holding everything. Together. <laughs> I mean, like you kind of, you started it essentially. It was your idea. And it's like, you have so many hats. It's crazy. <laughs> um, okay. So one of the things you touched on earlier that I wanted to ask about. So when you, you pitched the idea and it, it happens, you started off as ebook and the stories initially were like remakes of the movies, which we still, like, I think of Terry Wilson, my first Terry Wilson my first like two titles of hers, I think were remakes of the actual film. So uh -huh. yeah. when did, you know, what kind of inspired the shift to then have more like the, of the books come first and then maybe they get adapted was that feedback from like, were readers just really excited and wanting more? I mean, cause Hallmark has so many movies you could pull from, but like what inspired that shift to start having like original content in the fiction world that could then maybe then be adapted to film. Right. I always wanted to do both from the beginning. Uh, the reason we started with the uh, uh, making, uh, doing it the way where you start with the movie and make the book, and, we're, and we still do both, and I always wanted to do both. The reason that we started with making the companion novels to the movies was because it was faster. So <laughs> my business got green lighted in July of 2017. And then I was asked, can you have books out for fourth quarter? And this is, I should have, you know, I probably should have said no. <laughs> because I didn't, I didn't have any editors or proofreaders or designers to work with. I didn't have authors lined up. And, uh, and so it was a real hustle to get those first books out in three months. Right. Um, oh and, my gosh, uh, like that's, that's, that takes like some authors, it takes them three months to like yeah, write the book. Yeah. Um, and so, so I always wanted to do both. And we really started with the, uh, companion novels to the movies because it was faster. Um, it takes time, it takes more time to open up to submissions, to talk to agents and authors about what you're looking for and to, um, to, you know, get that process going. How do you decide what movies to turn into books? Because sometimes it, I have to admit, it feels a little random. Like the books that I'm like, I mean, movies that I think, is that that popular? Are there that many fans of like Cats and Dogs, for instance? I mean, it's it's fine movie, but it just doesn't seem like that popular. So I was just curious how, how do you, like Country Wedding, obviously super popular. So that one makes right. sense. 
Right. Yeah. Um, so we do look at popularity. We also look at um, whether it's Crown Media owned or not. Okay. So I can't just make any movie, any movie into a book because sometimes we own the intellectual property and sometimes we don't. Uh, so anything that I make into a book has to be Crown Media owned. Otherwise I couldn't afford to make it honestly, because I would have to pay so much rights that we would just be completely you know, yeah. abysmally underwater. <laughs> I would never be able to make up the money. Uh, yeah. So, um, uh, so the two, so there's a, a few things we look at how it fits within what I call the whole model line, the books that, I, that we're releasing for the year. Cause you want to have a range of different types of stories. Uh, you know, so if I want something that's a little lighter and funnier, you, you know, that I might pick something there for instance, um, yeah, so how it fits in with the, with the range of stories, whether it's Crown Media owned, because it has to be Crown Media owned, and then we look at the popularity. Well, I have to say, I am counting down the days for the next Evergreen book. It has Hannah and Elliot on the cover, and oh, I am so excited. That's like I am excited about it, too. <laughs> you know, oh, and I should have said, like, starting off the publishing company, the other way I knew uh, I, I wound up getting to know the people in LA was because I did story development for the original uh, Christmas and Evergreen. Um, and so I wrote the treatment for the first movie, which um, it, honestly, it was my first time doing that type of work. And so it got changed a whole lot for the, for the better uh, by the script writer. But working on the storyline for that, I got to know a few folks over there too, you know. And I had pitched them, and I had pitched the business, and then for months, like because everybody's so busy, you know, and because starting up something new like that is a big deal. Um, so of course, some time goes by uh, um, as as it would in any company. Um, and then uh, in the meantime, I was working on Evergreen, and I had a meeting with a few folks in Kansas City uh, from the programming side to talk about the storyline. Um, and then, uh, I heard, Hey, we just talked to the Hall brothers about publishing and, and I thought it was dead. Like I didn't even know it was going <laughs> to, <laughs> so the Hall and the Hall brothers, so the Hallmark is owned by the Hall family, you know, their grandpa or was it their great grandpa? I should know, uh, uh, started the, their grandpa started the whole thing, you know, um, wow. so family owned business. Uh, and they own Hallmark Cards, they own Hallmark Channel, they own Crayola, uh, they own some other businesses as well. And, uh, um, but yeah, I had I, it, some time had gone by and I thought it wasn't happening. And then I had a meeting about Evergreen and uh, it came up again. I'm like, oh, I guess we're doing this. Oh my gosh. Did <laughs> you expect for it to be what it is? I mean, it's a big deal. Like, every year I'm like, are we getting an evergreen movie? Like that's the first thing that I look for. <laughs> I have a soft spot because I had a little bit of help in forming that first movie. But honestly, I was working off of, uh, I can't, I was working off of the illustrations by Jeff Green. There's an artist at Hallmark, Jeff Greenleaf, who does this beautiful, beautiful work, uh, these beautiful illustrations. And uh, um, the, the whole idea for the movie really started with his artwork. You know, wow. yeah. uh, so I contributed a little bit, like the cap, the Kringle Cafe, and you know, uh, the um, the main characters. You know, just the real basic, broad brush strokes for the first one. But uh, yeah. um, but it's really, it, um, 
you know, uh, and they did. They had to change my story a lot because I was still new to that type of storytelling. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, but a lot of it was based on Jeff's beautiful illustrations too. So it's interesting how those ideas come together. Yeah. And that classic so, red truck. I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that was uh, that was one of Jeff's illustrations, and so of course I wanted uh, one of the main characters in the first movie to to have it to drive it. <laughs> yeah. So how G rated do you have to be for Hallmark Publishing, uh, or do you find that you're letting your authors push boundaries? at all these days. Ha ha ha. If you, I'm sure if you've asked any of my authors, they, I'm not letting them do it at all. You know, this is very funny because on my own, like uh, when I'm writing and I, I, uh, I've written a, a few, a few steamy books. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I never thought in my day job that I would, you know, write so many times in the margins too sexy, you know, <laughs> But I do wind up doing that. It can be a real adjustment for a a seasoned romance writer to make the switch to a Hallmark story where it really, uh, you know, it's not closed. People talk about closed door romance, which means that if there's a intimate scene, it's behind closed doors. We don't do that, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have to close the door. Nothing's happening. Um, <laughs> so they're just wrapping gifts and having a heartfelt conversation or something, you know? Uh, and so it's extremely G it's extremely G rated, you know? And, uh, um, the good thing about this, you know, and I enjoy reading, uh, what Amazon calls clean and wholesome romance. Um, and a lot of people push back with that term clean romance and understandably so, because, uh, it kind of sounds a little judgy to all the other romance, right? Um, but I enjoy G-rated romance. I enjoy reading steamy romance. You know, I, I enjoy reading the whole uh, spectrum, you know, as a reader. Um, so, but that's our focus as, as a publisher. Uh, and the nice thing about it is for audiobooks, uh, people can listen to them and it's okay if they have their little kids in the backseat. They're not going to have yeah. to explain anything. <laughs> They're not going to have to turn anything down, you know? Uh, you, you know, so yeah, so that's definitely, that's definitely our focus. So one of my favorite blog posts from your website is how to write a love story, four ways to make the plot or subplot great. And you shared four things writers can do to make sure their romance is believable and unforced. So you said, know why the two are perfect for each other, know the obstacles to the romance for both characters, which I I love. Um, make sure the characters spend enough time together to really have a chance to fall in love and know each character is going to change and grow throughout the story. So can you talk a little bit about these? Like the thing that I found I just love about your website is you're doing you have all these hats on, but you also share so much information. So can you talk about those and like what inspired like uh, the you know, the decision to put that information out there specifically. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I have a real passion for teaching and uh, sharing information. And I think it's because, you know, when I was trying to write a romance myself, it took me forever to figure things out. And part of the reason it took me forever is I thought as an someone with an MFA, I shouldn't have to do any more studying. I sh- it should just come naturally. 
no, that's not, or, or I thought, cause I had read a lot, it should come naturally. Um, and that was a real mistake that set me back. I should have been more open to learning. Right. Uh, but it took me so long to figure out some basic things. And so I always wanted, um, help other writers avoid that painful long <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> learning that it, it, it um, because I was such a slow learner. I always want to make it faster for other people. So it's a real passion of mine. Um, so, but I, thank you for reading that, that blog post. And uh, I wanted to address, you know, in it, I'm trying to address some things that make me pass on a story all the time. So like really knowing why those two people are perfect for each other specifically um, is so important and it'll really help you with your plot. It'll help you with pitching it. it you know, um, it's, it's really uh, keeps your story centered. I'll read a lot of uh, synopses where it'll just kind of say vaguely, um, he finds he can't stop. He tries not to think about the woman next door. Um, and, and I, I don't know why he's thinking about her. I don't know why he's trying not to think about her, right? Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> so, um, so I, you know, or uh, it, um, it'll say um, there's just he doesn't know what it is about her, but he's just attracted to her. I'm like, well, you need to know what it is about her. Yeah. Okay. Um, so being real specific about why, um, and it's not especially in G-rated romance, it's not just physical attraction. But no matter how steamy a romance is, I think you have to have um, a connection that's more on that personal level. Otherwise, it's, you know, uh, it can just seem kind of shallow, right? You know, like if he's, oh my gosh, if I read a romance and it's like he was the most handsome man she had ever seen and then we're in his point of view and he's like, she was the most beautiful woman he'd ever seen. It goes back to what I, this goes back to why I didn't want to write, read romance, right? Congratulations right. on being good looking. Uh, what do I but care? What else? <laughs> right. I, it's great for both of you that you're both really beautiful and you found each other. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, you really want those deeper reasons why yeah. they really fit. It's kind know? of like in, um, Swan, Swan Princess in that movie when uh, she's like, well, what do you love about me? Well, you're beautiful. She's like, that's it. Right. <laughs> great. You know, that's a great, that's all you got. <laughs> like, that's a real solid foundation for lifelong love. Sure. Uh, We've only grown up together and you can't think of right. anything else. <laughs> Look, we all lose our charms in the end. Like I, I want to, I want to see a better foundation for that happy ever after. Uh, but also, a, a, another real common thing is that we'll see the obstacle on her side to romance, but not on his side. So, so I'll get pitch stories where he is just trying. He's basically trying to introduce her to living life to the fullest, and he's in love with her the whole time. And she has to overcome her obstacles, you know, to love. Like she has to learn that she can trust and love again, or she has to learn that there's more to life than work or whatever it is. And those are fine, you know, obstacles. Uh, but no, we want to see it on both sides. Not, and, and I'll be honest, uh, I have uh, read romances where the guy had no arc and was just crazy about her the whole time. And I've still kind of enjoyed them, but it's more engaging if they both have an obstacle to the romance. So, um, yeah, and that's the problem with, uh, with, well, 
I mean, I don't want to make the Twilight fans. <laughs> but, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, Edward is just kind of, a, he's just fixated on Bella, you know, it's, it's her, her beauty. And uh, it, it takes a long time for there to be like real conflict. In the story. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. So but, uh, at least you have a strong external conflict there or, or a potential strong yeah like for many people you know being someone being a vampire would be a strong external yeah, conflict maybe fair. not so much for bella um she doesn't seem to mind you know uh, <laughs> what really makes a romance work for me is when they take those like tried and true tropes that we love uh like friends to lovers or uh opposites attract or these kinds of things and then they just like make a slight sort of tweak on it to make it uh more surprising and fun and yes, uh, yeah. yeah one yeah. i really liked was um lee duncan's uh, the first in, I can't think of the name of the cottage. I think it was Cottage Wedding. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. By Lee yep. But I loved in that book how when he realizes that she's been pretending to be the bride when she was really just planning the wedding for her cousin. And when she, he realizes that, he's not all like, oh, I'm so offended that you lied to me. He's not yeah. like that at all. He's like, okay, let's get this done. <laughs> Yes, you know what? I'm so glad you called that out. And this is a simple wedding, the first one in this series. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I'm so glad you called that out. I, I get really tired of uh, like someone's been deceiving someone, but there's a good reason, and then they have to be. You have to get through this tedious thing. You lied to me. I can't trust you. And I don't, like, like when it's not even that serious, right? It'd just be like a fun story that you tell your grandkids, you know, and and, and, and they make like this big pouting scene and I hate it. it, Whereas in in that book, he was just like, all right, I have my window. I'm taking it. This is great. That is like my least favorite like scene, pouting scene. And so I did really like it that flipped that. (laughs) The wedding is a great example of what I think is just a, a really fun original high level concept, you know, her, she's pretending to be a bride planning her wedding. Um, but she's really doing it for her famous cousin who's trying to avoid publicity. And that's, and it, it's, I, I had never read uh, that storyline before it, it sets up a really good conflict because, you know, he's, he's falling for her, but she's literally getting married to someone else, right? She's falling for him, but she's pretending to be a bride, you know? Uh, so it's really nice, really fresh. Um, and then God, you really feel for her as, uh, as her famous cousin keeps on changing yeah. her mind every five That's a good seconds. one. <laughs> yeah. and, and turning her into looking like the most difficult bride ever. So I, I just thought, and you know, you're always looking, for, it's really hard to land on a really fresh, uh, fun premise like that. It's very hard to land on it. And when you, when it, I see it come through my inbox, you know just really an exciting thing yeah so yeah that you... was one of my favorites i i mean <laughs> yeah she's great Lee yeah Duncan. i really like the christmas company uh, which was yeah. the first original that you all did yes yes and you know yeah. we love elise here on this podcast well, and yeah, uh, such a natural and uh, it just had all that christmas warmth and it was a wonderful uh first christmas book to do yeah yeah it was it was really good. A whole creative take on Christmas Carol. 
yeah. which is hard to do these days. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. The Christmas books are so like last year, I think it was last year we got Christmas, the Christmas charm by Terry Wilson. And I was like, I yes. love this. <laughs> so yeah, cute. Yes. I was so proud of that one. And Cosmopolitan put it on their um, list of uh, best romance novels of 2020, which was really cool. Yeah. You know? It was like uh, so Terry Wilson. She has like just this signature style. If you were to take her, oh, t- her name off the book, you would know. <laughs> Still, this is a Terry, Terry Wilson book. Is, yeah, <laughs> she is. She is something else. She has this. <laughs> she is such. She is such a professional. She's so accomplished. Um, and uh, she, yeah, she just knows exactly what she's doing uh, with writing this like heartwarming, f- great sense of humor. Uh, just really charming stories. Yeah, yeah. and like unapologetically girly. <laughs> That's Absolutely. what I love about her. <laughs> Absolutely, you know. It's, it, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's really wonderful. Um, but it's, it's hard to find those really, um, um, great premises that you just read it and imme- immediately think, oh, I want to see how that plays out. You yeah. know, when you can land on it, that's great. And I'm always looking for that. So, well, I love love on location is another favorite. Oh, Cassie yeah. Carter is the best. We love yeah, her. I love, I love her, uh, um, I love her stories and uh, I, I just felt love on location. She does a great job with her secondary characters. Too. Yeah, she does. Yeah. She does. Yeah. That yeah. book makes you want more. Like, okay, this person needs a book now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I, and uh, I was so glad she extended it with Wedding in the Pines. You know, um, with, uh, with Hallmark books, one of the things I really look for that not necessarily all romances are going to look for is that strong, the sense of that you have a strong um, uh, emotional support network. We all want more of this in real life, you know, and a lot of times in Hallmark books, like, you know, you have your best friend who's rooting for you, your parents yeah. are, um, sometimes are, you know, these supportive figures, Some, but sometimes even like people in the neighborhood are there for you. You yeah. know, <laughs> and and I think in real life we would like to have more emotional support. So a lot of times we have, not always, but a lot of times we have that in our stories. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Now, that was good about that one. Yeah. And then I also loved Royal Christmas Wish by Lizzie yeah. Shane. We love Lizzie, her. Yeah, absolutely. Just really, really magical. Because I wasn't even going to read it at first because I'm just not that into the royal stories. I've right. just seen so many of them or yeah. read so many of them. But the whole idea of her waking up in this whole alternate dimension was really clever <laughs> and like a, yeah. a new way to tell, tell a tired story, which made it not tired. Yeah. I mean, I love royal stories. And when we do royal stories, we try to focus on uh, not just a prince comes by and now your dreams are come true, even though a dream does come true and once upon a Royal Christmas wish, but really, but really focusing on the heroine, um, finding herself, you know, and, um, uh, and people dealing with different questions about responsibilities, uh, you know, so, uh, um, and so we try to, to take a really contemporary approach to Royal Royal stories and Terry's Once Upon a Royal Summer. It was so I, good. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and Lizzie's Once Upon a Royal Christmas Wish. I was very, I think they are both very, you know, um, uh, books that uh, 
you know, have that real magical charm, but then also um, really feel like real people too, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Once Upon a Royal Summer was so different because she's a theme park princess. And of course, there's like a real prince that comes and he's a single dad. And it, what I loved about it was that even though she wasn't like legitimately in that world, she knew so much about it that she kind of just fit right in. And she taught them so much about themselves. It was just, it is so good. It's a favorite of of this year for me. Uh Yes. And you know what? Royal Summer is one of the ones like Simple Wedding. I always point to for a great premise, you know, a theme park princess meets a real life prince. Boom. That's a great premise right there. Very hard to get those. (laughs) We'd like to take a second and thank our sponsor for this episode of the podcast. Best-selling author Melody Carlson has enchanted readers with her uplifting Christmas tales for decades. Now she invites fans to journey overseas to the beautiful French Alps in the delightfully romantic Christmas novella about family, love, and a hidden treasure in A Christmas in the Alps. Pick up Christmas in the Alps wherever you purchase your books or use our affiliate link in the description below. For more information on Melody Carlson, please visit her website, hpsmelodycarlson.com. That's melodycarlson.com. So I want to I want to talk about the mysteries um, yes. before like getting into because you you posted something on Twitter that really I was like, Rachel, we have to try to get Bryn Donovan on. OK, but, so Rachel and I read we read Murder by Page One recently. Oh, yeah. um, one of my favorites uh, was Dead End Detective from last year by Amanda Flowers. So can you talk about the transition into actually publishing more mysteries and anything you guys are looking for in terms of the cozy mysteries. I know we just had one recent, like, I think, was it this month or last month that released? Um, I'm blanking on the title. Wasn't there Tracy Gardner had one? Yeah, Tracy Gardner. Uh-huh, yeah. Still Life and Death. Um, yeah. So with uh, Cozy, we do more uh, romance than Cozy Mysteries. And we're going to do more than that. Maybe we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, but uh, with, with the Cozy Mysteries... Uh, I, a few things I would say is that we have a real emphasis on the cozy, you know, so a lot of stories that cross my inbox are just a little bit too, too gritty or too sarcastic for us. Okay. You know? uh, and so we really want to keep that same uh, sense of, you know, so it's as cozy as cozy mystery gets for us, you know, and I think that looking forward, um, you know, you always think about series in terms of cozy mysteries, but we're also looking for one-off uh, mysteries that just have a great fun premise, you know? Um, and I think that can align uh, really well with the mystery channel, uh, you know? Uh, so were you at Sarah all, mysteries. sorry, were you at all nervous with Murder by Page One, the fact that she was a librarian and you have Aurora Teagarden also being a librarian on the channel? No. I wasn't, you know, um, there are, um, uh, there, it's not the only two librarian (laughs) out there, you know, librarians are are inherently cozy, you know, like libraries are inherently cozy. Uh, yeah. Librarians and bookstores are huge and cozy. Yeah. Yeah, You're, yeah, you're right. Yeah. And I can see why you would ask that since they're both librarians. Um, but I thought Marve and murder by page one, uh, so Aurora Tea Garden um, and and uh, Marve—they're both like wonderful characters. But I think they're very different characters, just very different heroines. Um, and so I felt like it had 
um, you know, a unique vibe that I, I felt okay with it. And, and I certainly thought about it, you know? Um, but yeah, to me, uh, the characters were so different that, uh, um, uh, while both being wonderful in their own, you know, while both being fantastic characters that I, that I felt fine about it, um, with Marve, you know, a lot has to do with her being this fish out of water, being from Brooklyn and learning to deal with this, a uh, small town. And, uh, I, I think she's felt- in like Georgia, right? She's yeah, like in that's the right. South. <laughs> that's right. And, uh, but I think, uh, her point of, you know, just her approach to things and point of view, um, was different enough, you know, that I, that I feel all right with it. Yeah. And you know what? It's always tricky. You do sometimes pass on things that are good things because it's just too similar to something else. Um, in that case, uh, I just, I just liked it enough, you know, and I felt the characters were different enough that I thought it was okay. It's a great question. Okay. You've talked about your inbox. So can we talk about (laughs) the submission? Okay. So you posted on Twitter that you're looking to acquire several books for Hallmark Publishing in September. Yeah. Um, So Mm -hmm. walk us through the process. How many chapters need to be written and submitted? And what any other requirements and are these coming directly to you or is there someone else that kind of filters what actually gets to you? Can you like for anyone that's listening that is counting down the days for September, which uh-huh. is right around the corner, but can you walk us through kind of what it looks like that process? Sure. So first of all, I'll say that in general, I only take submissions through agents. However, uh, I will make exceptions and when I make a call on Twitter for something very specific, um, I, then, uh, it, authors who are published authors and published in that genre. So if you're pitching mystery, you need published mysteries. If you're pitching romance, you need published romances. Okay. So, um, if I make a specific call and you are published in that genre, then you can submit to that specific call without an agent. And you can uh, DM me on Twitter about details for that. Other than that, I only take uh, submissions through agents. So we do work a little bit differently uh, because we start with, I make a deal on a synopsis in three chapters. And uh, not everybody makes a book deal um, just on those. Um, And and we'll start with a synopsis, okay? Um, And some we'll uh, kind of rework the synopsis a few times. And this can, if, if we like it, you know, so it's, it's almost never yes on the first try. It's uh, either no or maybe with changes, right? Okay. Um, so sometimes we'll go a few rounds just with the synopsis to try to shape it up. And, uh, and this can be in some ways be a torturous process for, uh, for authors. You're like, oh my God, how many times... Yeah, I already rewrote the synopsis and I have to rewrite it again. Uh, however, it's a less time-consuming process than writing a whole manuscript that may or may not get published, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so while uh, it is very persnickety, I think it's a very efficient way of, of working because what we do is we will iron out plot holes in the synopsis stage before you write the book. Now, this is easier for some authors than others. Some authors, the way they figure out their story, the way they figure they work through those plot holes is by writing that first draft, right? So it forces them to be um, a little more analytical, you know, in planning that up front. Um, and, uh, but I find that it's a very efficient process 
because once we've worked out the synopsis, you know, we kind of know how the story goes. That's not to say surprises won't uh, turn up because they still will. Okay. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't kill the creativity, you know, um, things still develop. I'll get the manuscript and there'll be, um, you know, a few side characters in there that I've never heard of before, for instance. Okay. (laughs) You know, uh, um, so it doesn't kill the creativity, but by doing that, boy, that first draft will goes a lot faster because you don't get stuck, (laughs) you know, you know where you're going. Yeah. And so that's how we work. Um, so, so we we start with a synopsis. If we like it or think it has promise, we rework it a couple of times. And then if it gets to a point uh, where we think, okay, I think this looks good, um, I'll get three chapters. And as long as the three chapters look good, then we can make a deal. So that's how we work. Wow. Yeah. So what do you think is the key to a successful Hallmark book? Like what's the, is there one sort of all-encompassing trait uh, all these books. I, I already talked about looking for a really great premise, you know, just uh, um, a lot of times the tendency when pitching to Hallmark is to uh, pitch me the most conventional um, Hallmark movie you've ever seen, you know, and so you're like, well, this woman goes home to her small town, you know, um, not to say that we won't do that, but I, but I do need to see a fresh twist on, you know, I don't want to do um, things that we've already done. Mm-hmm. And so looking for a really original premise, something that you can tell me in one or two sentences, um, here's what the story is about, who you're going to get my attention right away, if that's something really cool, right? Uh, and it's difficult. It really is. But that that's what's going to get my attention. And why does that get my attention? Because that's the first thing people read on Amazon. That's the first thing I say to the Simon & Schuster sales reps. That's the first thing they say to Target, to Barnes & Noble, right? You know, to that headline, we all use it. Okay. We're going to use it to market it. We're going to use it to sell it into um, retail channels. So, um, that is so crazy. I've never really, like, you are just really making me realize how important, like, the premise of the book is. Because, yeah. I mean, as readers, we can turn the book around and look at the back and you just kind of skim and you're like, nope, this isn't for me. And you yeah. put it back on the shelf. And then I've, I've come to learn, like, stores have a lot of power and they have a lot of say so about what they're going to put on their shelves. I mean, because they essentially they know who their readers are because people come in and buy them. So, wow, that is absolutely it's so important. And it's easy when you're a writer to think, oh, it's just like a a writing contest and the breast writing wins. You know, Um, when I was starting out, that's what I thought getting published was like a writing contest. And the ironic thing was I wasn't even that good at it yet, you know? <laughs> so I wouldn't have, even if it had been that, I wouldn't have won. Uh, I had to learn, you know, I had to learn a lot. Um, but uh, yeah, so that premise is is, uh, is so important. And then beyond that, um, I'm looking for good character arcs. Character arc is how the main characters change and grow or what they learn throughout the story. You know, um, it's a boring story if they're the same person at the end than they are in the beginning, right? Uh, We read stories because we ourselves are trying to figure out life. We ourselves are trying to figure out how to overcome obstacles. And so when we watch how a character overcomes her obstacles, how she changes and learns, that's satisfying and it gives us hope, you know? Um, So I'm looking for character arcs. Yeah. Premise and and character arcs are the two big things. Yeah. Do you specifically try to promote 
female authors or is that just how it's worked out? That's how it's worked out so far. Um, and I'm absolutely open uh, to publishing <laughs> male authors. I'm just as open to it. Um, it does. Uh, now, w- we publish primarily romance and uh, 85% of romance readers are women and a huge uh, preponderance of romance writers are women. Uh, and so that's how that goes. It, but it's it's uh, not, um, it doesn't mean that we're not uh, open, um, to, open it. to male writers also. Yeah. I will say that I, um, in with male authors, there can be. So I've known some male romance authors who are very good at their craft, very professional, well-read in the genre. Um, and and uh, men can write great romances. They can do a great things in the genre. Now, I have also uh, more than once encountered male authors who have not read a romance novel, but they are writing a romance novel. And, uh, and so they believe that they're doing something really innovative, uh, but they're not. Okay. So you have to read, uh, but this isn't just male authors. Um, I, I read a lot. There's, there are several authors who try to write a romance novel without reading deeply in the genre. You have to read um, it. It's you a have problem to. Because if you don't read it, you may think you're being groundbreaking when you're doing something really cliched. Okay. Uh, or you may not be delivering on the basic expectations of the genre. So you got to, whatever genre you're writing, thriller, young adult, you've got to read deeply in your genre, you know, otherwise you're going to be unoriginal and you won't even know it. (laughs) Because most of the, the, all the male writers that I know in romance are all screenwriters, not Uh uh, authors. Well, I mean, there I, there are male ro- romance authors out there, and uh, there's absolutely no reason why, uh, you know, men can't write great romance, and they do, you know? Uh, and, and a few of them write under uh, female pen names. Yeah, okay. that's going to say a lot right under, yeah, the pen name. But, but I wouldn't, you know, I would be happy to publish uh, a male writer. Absolutely. So if you are a male writer that is listening, say, you need to submit. I, say I get I get almost, I mean, I get almost zero, like, like less than one percent, yeah. So, uh, romance submissions from men, uh, like even screenwriters. There's Rick Garman. There's Topher Payne. There's Greg McBride. Like there's some really great men who you know write the Hallmark movies. But uh, it's interesting that it, it uh, it's. I do not, but I do not transfer. get romance. in general. I got a few with open submissions, but hardly mm-hmm. any. Right, like maybe like three or four out of eight hundred. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then through agents, I honestly, I don't know if I've ever gotten an wow. agented romance pitch. Actually, that's interesting. So I'm absolutely open to it. That's just that's just how it. That's just how it is. It is yeah. it is woman dominated, but it doesn't mean that I'm I'm not open to it. <laughs> did you grow up watching Hallmark movies? Was that a thing? Absolutely, I did. Yeah. You know? and uh, I grew up in a family where kind of like some families in Hallmark movies. Uh, Christmas was just an absolutely huge, big deal. And uh, my mother decorated our, like decorated every inch of our house for Christmas and still does, you know? And so, um, yeah, so I always, I always grew up, uh, um, I was always watching them. Uh One of the things that you touched on was um, like character arc and the premise and all of that. And you touched on like the having an agent. Is the the Uh agent, can you talk a little bit about the significance of having an agent? Right. Um, so uh, the 
a good agent learns what publishers are looking for. They learn their vibe. So they're able to match um, authors and projects with that, with those needs. And they're able to help authors develop projects, you know, with certain markets in mind. Uh, and so uh, that's just so valuable and so important, you know, and an agent really figures out what you're doing and what you're looking for and uh, can really tailor uh, tailor things to you. Then whenever you get something from that agent, you're like, you know, it's going to be in the ballpark, right? Okay. Yeah. So that <laughs> yeah. they kind of help do a lot of the fixing before it even gets to you per se. Sure. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and not just fixing up the story, but also making sure it's the right story for the right. For what you want. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, so they do uh, great work. Another one of the wish, li- wish list items you mentioned is romance or women's fiction with higher stakes than may be expected from Hallmark Publishing. So That's can you talk right. about like where the inspiration for that came from? Like what are you, you know, what inspired Absolutely. that? Absolutely. Um, and I want to say that this is just, um, we're broadening things. So it doesn't mean that I'm not still open to really light and fluffy romance. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cause I am, uh, but we want to have a broader range. Um, and so, um, for, so women's fiction, by the way, is the industry term and it's a terrible industry term. It doesn't mean all <laughs> fiction. I, I hate it. It doesn't mean all fiction written by women, right? Um, and it can be written and it can be written by men. So what women's fiction is, is it's a story that does, you know, generally focus on a heroine and her emotional journey, her self-discovery. That's basically what it is. And, and, uh, and so these are kinds of stories that aren't necessarily romances, but they uh, focus on uh, self-discovery, that change or growth. They might focus more on family, friendships, community. A story like this may or may not have a romance subplot, okay? And if it does have a romance, uh, it is a subplot, right? Um, so we're looking for stories that aren't, uh, we're open to stories. that aren't necessarily conflicts, uh, aren't necessarily romance can deal with more some serious issues and conflicts. Um, still need a happy ever after. Okay. Um, still need a happy ending. Uh, not happy ever after. That's for specific to romance. Still need a happy, uplifting ending. Uh, but can be more can be more serious, you know, and and more more of like the more emotional depth. More the type of book that you might read in your book club. You know, right. Uh, All the book clubs read all kinds of things. So that's maybe, you know, maybe more like something that that's a Reese Witherspoon book club pick, for instance, that has to be uplifting at the end. Yeah. Is the Mahogany series that you're doing, is that going to have a variety, uh, including like more the rom-coms and and the women's fiction? You know, it's still developing, but I think that uh, it can be both romance and women's fiction that's going to have a lot of emotional depth. Uh, So for people who don't know, um, so Mahogany brand was a Hallmark cards brand and wonderful brand of like cards and gifts that focus on black culture, African-American experience, like truthful and uplifting and authentic. And, the, and so the writers at Hallmark Cards really did this wonderful job of creating this voice. And now we're going to have mahogany branded movies. And so I think that these movies could be romance, could be what I'm saying, women's fiction, you know, um, that are just more about an individual emotional journey. Um, but they're um, going to be stories, I think, that will have um, uh, more of that emotional depth. 
Um, and maybe a little bit more on the serious side, which isn't to say there won't be humor in there too. Because awesome. I think we still want the rom-coms with uh, the, um, the, the uh, diverse leads. Absolutely. Yeah. So just, I, I would say, my, you know, like I say, it's still developing. Um, uh, my guess would be, but this is uh, just my guess, that uh, not every not every story with uh, black leads uh, would be mahogany project, and uh, and so um, and not every story like I would acquire with it doesn't necessarily have to be mahogany for me to acquire you know to feel like it's mahogany for me to acquire it. I'm looking for diverse stories in all kinds of tones, from light and fluffy to like laugh out loud funny to more serious. Um, you know, um, I, the range doesn't change, you know, well, we are so excited. Um, (laughs) can we, can you talk about, um, any of the upcoming Hallmark publishing titles? I know I saw, I have one by Jenny Baird. I think it's how you say her last name. We have the Evergreen. What else do you all have coming out? So she has on Christmas Avenue out, which, uh, um, you know, that, one of the things that happens in there, and I won't give a spoiler, is one of the most, uh, it's its just this most authentic, angsty, relatable thing that when I read it, I feel like the nervous, awful sweats for the character. <laughs> it's so great. Um, I really love that book. And uh, so we have Wrapped Up in Christmas Hope, which is the third in Janice Lynn's series. And oh my gosh, these books have done so well and they're about uh um quilting and they inv- and they involve the actual nonprofit quilts of valor foundation which is a organization great organization that awards handmade quilts quilts to veterans and service people um but uh wrapped up in christmas hope is about a uh, a, a daredevil firefighter and a woman who Law is a widow because her last husband was kind of a daredevil. Um, and uh, there's that and internal, there's that conflict right there. He was like, exact, he is exactly not the person that yeah. she would be falling for. Um, and uh, and and then of course, we're doing the companion novel, The Christmas and Evergreen Four, um, uh, Christmas and Evergreen, uh, um, three, which is great, and uh, um. With uh, Lacey Baker, and we've worked with her before. She does a really good job uh, with those. Um, just a great writer all around. Um, and then, uh, and then we're doing Mistletoe and, Ju- and Juno, which uh, uh, the, you know the hero in that book is a veteran and is disabled. He lost. Uh, he's an amputee. He lo- he lost the lower part of his leg um, to an IED. Is that the yeah yeah um, and. Uh, uh, and so it's an opposite it's a track story because our heroine is this up and coming like social media influencer. She's really hustled and she has her video channel, you know, and uh, she is living kind of a glamorous life. And he is a disabled veteran and he's living a not so glamorous but uh, uh, life as a state trooper in Alaska. But beautiful setting. Oh, my gosh. You know, the cover is um, gorgeous, too. I cannot really, wait to get a copy. <laughs> Uh, you know, just a, um, uh, and and I think of a, a, a story that you know I think meet means a lot to the author, and she has some uh, firsthand experiences um, with uh, 
uh, with the mili- with military with with her own military hero. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, we like to end our interviews with some fun silly questions not all that right. the previous questions have not also been silly question is what is the best ice cream flavor oh my gosh uh, there's a new ice cream place right by us and it's uh like uh what is that called but well it's like strawberry and blueberry to put together <laughs> uh, but i guess berry <laughs> yeah what is your favorite color uh, aqua yeah. Oh, <laughs> so what music are you into? Uh, you know, I just, right now, I just went last week to a Weezer Fall Out Boy and Green Day concert. So I've been listening to them. Wow. Love it. The 90s nostalgia. Yes. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> well, prior to current world that we're, in, we're living in, what was your go-to date night food? Oh, let me think. Um, we already covered ice cream. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but I would say Mexican. Yeah. Uh, um, especially if it includes uh, guacamole. <laughs> mm. All right. Well, what is your go-to date night activity if you're going out? Um. We love going to places we haven't been to before. We just moved to Chicago. And, uh, and so we love going to museums and, uh, is, yeah, especially museums. I would say I'm, I'm crazy about museums. Um, <laughs> uh, but, uh, we also love to go to like a nature preserve or someplace like that where we can walk around. Yeah. Chicago is such a beautiful city. My mom lives oh, there and is. I'm like, I can't wait. It's like a 19 hour drive for me, but I mean, it's gorgeous. <laughs> it's really wonderful. Yeah. Are you a dog cat person or a cat person? Well, my husband is allergic to, I love them all, but my husband's allergic to cats. So very much a dog person. Okay. I have, uh, I have two rescue dogs who are hanging out by me right now. Um, and uh, we did have three. We just lost Moxie last a, a month or two ago. Uh, but yeah, we have a little rescue, uh, terriers and, and so now we have two, which is a normal amount of dogs to mm-hmm. have. Right. <laughs> um, and, and, but a man will probably go and get another one. <laughs> so so yeah. which, which do you prefer beaches or mountains? Uh, gosh, it's hard for me to choose. I would say mountains though. I wrote Sunrise Cabin for Hallmark Publishing. Basically. Yes. This is like my fantasy of a little log cabin in the mountains. <laughs> that <laughs> so was the most gorgeous fall cover. I'm like, we need more fall stories <laughs> in romance. No, we probably- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are you more of a suit and tie, like dress up type of girl or sweats and big t-shirt? I am a little more dressy, actually. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. yeah. So I think probably the cool answer is uh, sweats and t-shirt. But no, I do kind of, even working at home, I do dress up like every day because it just gets me in the right frame of yeah. mind. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think love that. most of us are now moving away from sweats. Like we've, we've now lived almost two years in sweats. We need Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I still dress up for work every day, even though it's all over Zoom. Yeah. Very good. Okay. What is your favorite holiday to celebrate? New Year's. Hands down. I oh, love really? New Year's. Yeah. 
That's awesome. It's like a new beginning. It's a new beginning. Yes. New beginning, like new plans, fresh start, uh, and everything about it, you know, um, confetti and ringing it in. Absolutely love it. (laughs) And lastly, (laughs) what is one of your just all-time favorite romantic movies? Oh, gosh. Um, Okay, so it's not a romance because of the ending, but I loved Titanic. (laughs) (laughs) Because I I also love action movies, and so it had both, you know? Yeah. Um, It is a romance. It's just a sad romance. Well, it's a love story. It's not, if it was a novel. so (laughs) epic. Yes. If it was a novel, it would not be a romance novel, but it would be great love story we'd be yeah. so upset because he he dies yeah yeah forget about it <laughs> well, a romance novel has to have a happy ending then that yes. is the definition of the genre um and so not all love stories are romance yeah. uh, you know the romance that's, that's one of the promises the genre makes huh. is no matter how angsty no matter how you can read a romance novel where they're getting literally tortured right where people are dying you know um it, they can be very angsty and yeah. and, and and grim huh. but it's a romance novel if it, it has a happy ever after um with those people in a loving commitment to each other yeah and happy ever like, after or happy for now. We'll take what about happy like for now. Nicole Sparks books because those usually yeah. have people die. Oh gosh, that's the debate. That's a no. That's a it's no. Not even, <laughs> yeah. okay, according to me, it's not even a debate. It just it isn't. Is Romance what? readers will die on that hill. That is a no. And I, he's a great author. His stories are great, but no, Absolutely. they are not. They yeah, are not. It's, it's just. Um, Oh, you know, I didn't know that. That's interesting. People say they're going to write a romance novel, but it's going to have a sad ending. Well, it's then you didn't write a romance novel. It's like saying I'm going to write a graphic novel, but there won't be any pictures. <laughs> well, well, you, you, it's not a graphic novel. Then that's that's what a romance novel is. The <laughs> the happy ever after is like the defining characteristic of the yeah. genre. Yeah, interesting. I didn't realize that. I thought they just yeah. had to fall in love. Yeah. Well, and and there's wonderful novels that are fantastic love stories that that aren't romance novels. And that's fine, too. There's room for all of it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Well, very good. You passed the test. You answered all the questions. (laughs) (laughs) You can keep editing Hallmark novels. (laughs) Please, please, so that we can read them. Please. Well, hopefully we'll, we'll definitely want to have you on again and because uh, we really enjoyed this. Thank you so much. And yes. Oh, thank you. It's yeah. so much fun. I love talking about this stuff and uh, um, love the podcast. So I was really happy to have the opportunity. Do you have a social media that you'd like to share? Oh, I do. So I um, on Twitter, I'm Bryn Donovan. No space in between. B-R-Y-N Donovan. Um, I blog about writing and positivity at brindonovan.com. Um, yeah, we'll just stick to those two. <laughs> and her blog is amazing. So you have to go check it out. And especially oh, if you're a writer, you. she has like tons of information out there. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. And we'll have all that in the description so everybody can make sure to follow. And oh, Bree, where can people find you? I'm on Instagram. Oh, yeah at Falling for Romance, and I also co-host the Categorically Romance podcast, where we chat about category romance. It's great. Good. And you can find me at Rachel's Reviews, all of our social media, iTunes, YouTube, and on Rotten Tomatoes, so check that out. 
and make sure you're following the podcast at Home Rookies Pod and Home Rookies Podcast, all of our social media. And if you are listening on iTunes, please leave your ratings and reviews. We really appreciate that. And if you are listening on YouTube, please give this video a thumbs up and subscribe to our channel. We appreciate that so much. We have our Patreon group and merch store. Take a look over there and we'll have all the information in the description. And thanks again, Bryn. This was a blast. We really Thank appreciate you. it. Yeah. And uh, we'll talk to y'all later. Bye, everyone. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. We did it.